Hi everyone, so welcome today to the BAE Systems webinar. With a workforce of almost 90,000 people, BAE Systems is one of the biggest defence engineering companies in the world and is definitely the largest in the UK. They have several business units including air, maritime, land, electronic systems and cyber. And the MOD is one of their largest customers, supplying products to the Navy, Army and RAF. They are currently recruiting for undergraduates and graduates to join them this year. So if you'd like to be part of this amazing company, visit their hub on Gradcracker after this webinar and apply today. So let's meet the panel. We've got James, who studied at Ulster University and studied software engineering. Kira, who went to the University of Strathclyde, who studied chemical engineering. Jenny went to the University College London and studied mechanical engineering. And last but not least, Cameron studied aeronautical engineering from the University of Salford. And Hafsa is the sourcing and attraction lead. And Hafsa will mention, uh, answer all the questions about the recruitment process and when to get your applications in and everything else. So welcome everybody from BAE. Just like you to wear then. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> it's like university challenge, isn't it? <laughs> so I can't answer any of the questions on university challenge. I just watch it for, for the giggles. It's way above me. Hafsa, I'm going to start with you, my love. So we touched briefly on the, the business units at BE. So can you tell the audience a little bit more about each one? Okay, so um, we do have a wide range of business units um, at BA Systems. Uh, such as air, maritime, land, electronic systems, and cyber. Um, so at BA Systems, we are a global defense organization. So we design, manufacture, um, upgrade, and support products such as typhoons, um, land vehicles, um, complex service ships, and we are a leading supplier of cyber intelligence and security capabilities as well. Fantastic. And you don't just supply to the UK, so do you supply globally? Yes, we do. We're an international employer. Yeah, fantastic. And from your point of view, everything's up in the air this year, this year with COVID and hopefully things are going to be settling down over the next few months. But what is your recruitment process looking like this year? Hafsa? So students will get the applications in now. You know, that, as I mentioned, the roles are live on Gradcracker. So what does the application process look like? So at the moment, um, we have been extremely fortunate with our recruitment this year, um, given the circumstances with the pandemic. Um, we have continued business as usual, um, and we did already explore our virtual platforms. Um, so we introduced video interviews uh, prior to this, and that was part of our recruitment process already. Um, and whilst I came to source an attraction, um, I also explored a lot of the virtual events as well. So we predominantly kind of started virtual events before the pandemic and other competitors starting on virtual. Um, so the only thing that's kind of changed for us a little bit in our recruitment process step was the fact that we had to introduce um, our face-to-face -face, um, interview days or assessment centre days to Skype calls. Um, and this has proved successful for us. Um, and I think from a candidate's perspective as well, because it's been um, cost-effective for them um, and less time for them to be commuting to interview days and doing it, you know, all from the uh, place at home as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've got some really good stories from, from the grads um, later on in the webinar as well about the assessment centre and about how accommodating BAE systems was during the whole process. Um, so thanks for the, for the, thanks for the um, overview there. Just so everybody knows who's the audience listening in, the overview of the application process is on the BAE Systems Hub in more detail. Um, so go and have a look at that. And also they do sponsor the Gradcracker Toolkit. So if you'd like to know a little bit more about the sector of defence, um, which BAE Systems sponsors, then obviously feel free, feel free to go to the Career Centre and take a look at that. 
So okay. thank you very much, Hafsa. Okay. Hafsa, I've got a question for you as well, actually. Can I ask what sort of person would be um, an ideal fit for BAE Systems? So uh, we are looking for individuals who are passionate, um, has the enthusiasm as get-go, um, critical thinkers, bringing fresh ideas into the business and being bold, um, looking for challenges to new ways of working. Um, and also collaborative as well. So obviously size of our business and business units that we work with, it's really important to have that really key communication skills as well. Um, and individuals that really want to develop themselves with the vast um, opportunities that we have um, across the UK as well as international. Um, I think the world's your eyes really. So if you bring in that enthusiasm, the passion, um, and you're willing to network, you're willing to give that hard work in, um, these are like kind of the soft skills that you can bring into us and we can build on the technical skills at VA Systems once you're in the business with us. Um, because once you start, you're on, you are really very much on the real hand on experience projects, um, exciting ones that we can work with as well. Brilliant. That sounds yeah, I think I've just, Yeah, I think I've just got one more question. Um, so we mentioned about the, the, um, the different business units that um, BAE are in earlier on. Can a graduate apply to, do you recruit graduates from all of those different business units? We have a wide range of roles um, that, which vary between the business units. Um, yeah. So for example, um, if there was a role within our air sector, um, mm -hmm. then projects such as typhoons, um, if you was an individual that wanted to work on ships as an example, then you work at a maritime business unit um, yeah. and land an example or cyber. Um, so depending on what type of um, graduate program that you're coming in with, um, which type of role will depend on what business unit that you fall into. Yeah. And one last question. I'm picking your brains now. I'm thinking, I'm thinking on my feet here. One last question. So if somebody went into air, for example, and thought, oh, do you know what? Working on a typhoon isn't for me. I want to go into the maritime business unit. Is it interchangeable? Can you start with one and then go into another? So if you're coming in as a placement opportunity, um, which is our summer internship or an industrial placement, um, we tend to keep you in the role that you applied for. Um, yeah. However, the opportunity while you're in the business and there may be a need on a certain project. And if you've built your network and spoke to your manager, um, it could be that that could be something that we could cater for. It's not something that we kind of encourage. And even on our graduate program, once you come into a graduate program um, and the role that you've applied for, such as mechanical engineer, um, mm -hmm. that kind of remit that you'll stay in however um, if you felt whilst you're on the um, program that that wasn't really quite for you um, this is where you'll speak to your line manager and people you know that support you with mentoring that you can kind of look around network and I think the great opportunity at VA Systems is that we're such a big company um, that you'll always find your feet somewhere um, mm -hmm. so I think it's a really good opportunity that you can come in and have a look around and I mean, obviously, our graduate programs before was um, a placement program where you were able to move around. But just listening from some of the feedback that we had from our um, past graduates, they were moving in too quickly after six months duration. So they weren't really capturing what that role was about. So now you're coming in for the role that you applied for and you're actually working on that role. And then you have your exit role as that role as well. Perfect. Thanks, Hatsu. I'll stop quizzing you now. <laughs> Um, I'd like to start with the grads and kind of understand why you chose BAE. Um, so, Kieran James, I know you previously did placements with BAE, which you both found on Gradcracker, of course. Kieran, you chose to do two summer placements and then come back as a graduate to do the same, um, to kind of in the same department, didn't you? Could you tell us a bit about what you did and how you found it in your experience? 
Yeah, so I came in as a summer intern in the summer of 2017. Yeah. Um, I was a product safety summer intern, so I went into the product safety um, department in our submarines business. Okay. Um, I did numerous different types of safety analysis and actually by chance um, was given the lead on a project that would ultimately result in a big design change, okay. um, which is a bigger deal than it sounds when you're dealing with the Royal Navy, so... Um, no, that, that that was really interesting and it, it was really, really good to be given that opportunity, especially as a summer intern. Um, yeah. And I, I suppose that that's kind of what attracted me back. Um, being treated as an equal, even as a summer intern, kind of really sets, sets, sets the scene for the rest of your career. So if you if we are quite an, an equal opportunities business, it's, it's everything, everything's an open door. Um, yeah. I deal with directors and chief engineers on a, on a daily basis, so it's um yeah it's it's really really good that way mm-hmm. um the, the most the biggest attraction back was my team to be honest with you um the the team that I worked with were were really great and actually even kept in touch throughout the year when I went back to university so um that that was really good I felt like I was I, I'd already been um integrated into the team so I, I kind of felt I, I was I was one of them already even though I wasn't a graduate yet yeah. um so that that really made my decision to want to come back as a graduate and to be honest having spoken to other some interns and industrial placement students that have returned that seems to be quite a common theme yeah do you know I'm, I'm really glad that you're saying this because I think some students really do underestimate the importance of experience and how that experience can actually lead you to go back for another year for example to then also land your graduate job and that was kind of your career path so can I just clarify so the students understand so you were second year when you went for your first placement Third year in Scotland. Third year, sorry. Third year, then fourth year, and then when you finish. So it's absolutely, you know, again, I've just done so many presentations and stuff this week saying to students, you know, if you can get the placement, you know, it really kind of sorts you you out for, you know, a graduate job at the end of it. So that's absolutely brilliant. Um, James, I want to move to you next because you decided to do a year-long placement with the AE. Can you tell us a bit about your experiences? Yeah, so... I did a year-long experience, a uh, year-long placement as a systems engineer uh, yeah. down in uh, Christchurch, although I was studying in Northern Ireland. So that's, sorry, Christchurch in England. Um, it was fantastic because it was sold to me as a jack-of-all-trades role. Yeah. So while I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do, in that role I got to be systems engineer, hardware engineer, integration, testing, security, software developer, and a little bit dealing with the customer themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was fantastic that although I'd got my experience so far at uni in software, BAE were prepared to let me go and try other areas. Yeah. Cause that was going to be my next point really. Cause you, you obviously studied software engineering. So why did this kind of, why did you choose this career path um, kind of away from software development? Uh, well, to be honest, it's, it was sort of just how things fell uh, mm-hmm. while I was looking for, you know, what career path I wanted to go down. Software was sort of the, the leading role. Mm-hmm. But then midway through an interview uh, with BE, uh, the interviewer turned around and said, well, it sounds like you want to do systems engineering more than software. Do you want to interview for that as well? So I did that, got the placement, and then uh, here I am. Gosh, that's great, isn't it? And you, obviously you wouldn't have expected that, you know, unless they'd said it. No, uh, to be honest, I knew very little of it. It was only... I did a module's worth at university that year. But no, it set me on this path. I'm very happy. It was a, it was a good day. And you wouldn't look back. 
<laughs> no, exactly. Jenny, um, moving to you next. You went straight into being, um, hello, um, on the graduate programme. Um, so what attracted you to do this? Um, so, yeah, so my background is in mechanical engineering, um, as you've mentioned. So um, that's partially why I found kind of the work and the products um, that BA system build to be so exciting. Um, a lot of it is very relevant to my degree. Um, as a career, though, I kind of wanted to pursue something um, a bit more business oriented um, in project management. Um, so that's I was kind of keen on um, combining both sort of my interest and um, in project management and my background in engineering so working on kind of um, large-scale programs in an engineering environment um, but more on the management side Um, so I think that's something that is really great in BA systems both project management and engineering are such big functions they're both really important to the business so um, yeah so if you are sort of thinking of roles outside of pure technical engineering roles there's a lot of other opportunities as well um so that was another thing is just a diverse range of roles available um lots of different opportunities to build a career um and when I was applying I was actually quite torn between like the air and submarine sectors because both both sounded really interesting to me um so I just wanted to do something very different and quite challenging which is why um I went for submarines in the end um but yeah it's been it's been great um Development is also something that's really important to me as well. Um, as someone who loves to learn and never wants to stop learning, basically. So when I went to my graduate interviews, I actually specifically looked out for places that encourage training and development um, as part of their graduate program. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And would you say? Yeah, I think we're going to cover off that. Point. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, I was, was going to say we're going to cover off that a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> I think like we're going to cover that off a little bit later on like all the, all the fantastic training and development yeah. opportunities which are open at BAE systems they are they are phenomenal so yeah keep watching <laughs> yeah because you know that is you know a real you know driver I think you know when you are looking for a job you want to know that you there is that development that career path that you can have so yeah it's good that we're going to talk about that Cameron I'm going to move to you next I've heard on the grapevine that this is your dream job <laughs> um right so, so so i guess a bit different to the other sort of graduates history of not really being too certain about what they wanted to do uh-huh. i've been pretty had my heart pretty sound aviation or aerospace for, for many many years um going going back in time a bit when i was um significantly younger um my my family was part of the british forces um as civil servants and proportion that we were based in gibraltar in the south of spain yeah. Um, it's a bit of an unusual sort of place to, to get access to the mainland Gibraltar. You have to cross the runway. Um, but I live near this runway. And from right. there, I got to see numerous aircraft, both civil and military, take off from this. Um, and one that really kind of stuck in my mind and one that I was like obsessed. Every time I heard that this was going to happen, I would go out and like <laughs> get as close as I could, legally as close as I could, um, to ensure that I could see these. And it was just the Eurofire Typhoon taking off. Uh-huh. And I was just instantly hooked. Like aviation was just such a big part of me from then on yeah. um, and I got to see these take off and sort of pull the maneuvers and do this sort of like you know just everything was was amazing to me with these so um from this I moved into to uni to study this and do my sort of degree there and you know I worked for this and I got real interested in whether I'd go into more civil background or more of a sort of defense with the aerospace degree and I finally quickly realized that 
what really interested me in uni was kind of like the, the cutting edge, the sort of the absolute limits that we're exploring with these sort of technology and engineering. Mm. So things such as like breaking the sound barrier, seeing what limits an aircraft can really do, all the sort of like G-forces and everything associated with it. Yeah. And that kind of led me to the route, well, if I want to explore that more, civil's probably not the place to do that. Um, Defence mm -hmm. is probably more where I want to go with that. Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, I, I knew of BA systems from a history with them mm -hmm. um, and decided that, you know, I would, that, that's somewhere I want to apply and work for and, and be part of. And now years later, um, I'm working on the exact same aircraft that kind of started this all with me, wow. um, working on it. A large portion of my work is with the Typhoon now. Uh -huh. um, but before I really committed to applying to VA systems, I did do my sort of like, you know, research on the company and see what I could find out. Mm -hmm. um, I got in contact with a few previous sort of retired employees, spoke to them about it and said, look, I'm interested in applying to VA systems. What's your opinion? How have you felt? Do you think I should go for it? And none of them had anything bad to say. Everyone, every one of them fully encouraged me to apply and join up. So it was a great place. So here I am. Brilliant. You know, it must be... I mean, you don't look old enough, to be honest, Cameron, you look very young, but, you know, to kind of almost feel as though you've achieved so much already in your yeah. career and to feel like, you know, you're almost, you know, there. And I'm going to ask this later on. So it's a question I was going to ask about a five year plan, but I'll come back to that <laughs> because right. I want to see what your future plans are. Um, but I know we're going to kind of move on to the application process next, aren't we? So yeah. James, I think we're going to find out a bit what's the next process in the yeah I think I think just just to kind of I mean you've all mentioned a lot of little bits and pieces there so the Cameron about the typhoon you know how hands-on is it you know do you sit and pretend that we're in a normal world but do you actually ever get to go and see a typhoon go and sit in it go and tinker about with it or is it all you know James stop laughing at my phrase physiology tinker about the typhoon um, but do you actually get hands-on and then you know Kira to you do you actually get to be on a submarine how I mean how hands-on is it? Do you want me to answer? Um, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I mean it, it really depends what role you go for some roles are much more hands-on than others um as part of your induction process in submarines, you get to walk around the shop floor and you'll get to see um, the Devonshire Dock Hall where we build and release the submarines. Um, so you get to walk around the shop floor, but you wouldn't necessarily get to go on it. Yeah. But depending on what role you do, you, you more often than not, you'll get a couple of chances to get on it at least. Um, I've been on a couple um, between placements and... Um, the graduate scheme as well I've largely been working from home on the graduate scheme but yeah. um I've had a chance to be on on a submarine uh, in the Devonshire Dock Hall while it's still in build and in the wet dock key um before it's released oh wow I bet you were blown away it's really small um <laughs> I'm only five foot two so I goodness knows how oh, small I thought you said it yeah. was no it, it is <laughs> so it's for it's it's such a bit it's such a big platform but inside goodness knows how these submariners get on this they are it's really tight everything's packed in so tightly and actually that's um that's that's really what we do to be honest it's yeah. it's making sure everything's packed in as tightly you can to make it as comfortable as possible <laughs> yeah definitely oh gives me heebie-jeebies just thinking about it and and Cameron have you actually gone and seen a typhoon in person and worked on it um, well, so, so I've seen them in person when we were yeah. back last year at this point, when we were all still 
physically at work I'm, I'm yeah. in my spare room at the moment but um I, I have been there and I've seen them I've seen the sort of constructions and and you know parts of that and working alongside it um unfortunately my role isn't particularly hands-on in terms of you know I'm not there turning spanners or you know mm -hmm. screwdrivering bits or anything of that nature but you know I do see them I mean I used to work in a hangar like I'm in an office within the hangar so I get yeah. to see it every day when I was there so I mean it's hands-on is, is is I think I'm comfortable with but I think I trust myself much beyond that really yeah oh brilliant thanks guys yeah that's really interesting and um, so I'd like to now move on to the application process and um, have some mentioned before about the application process and and James I want to focus on your experiences I mean you mentioned it a little bit um, before um, but we've got a few points to cover so in particular could you tell the viewers um, and and you know the people on the panel more about the coding and decryption challenge that you had to do as part of your um assessment I mean, what what is it how did you prepare uh, so yeah applied intelligence which is my area of BA systems uh, they have a slightly different process so as part of our online competency uh, towards the end there's some optional questions which are based around the area that you're looking to go into mm -hmm. it's up to you if you answer them for me as a software engineer, I got the lovely opportunity to do a coding challenge and a decryption challenge. And they weren't really told to us beforehand. It was just a, hey, this is this sort of thing's going to be on. You know, just see what you can do. Don't worry if you can't. Uh, it, was, it was fun. The coding challenge was fairly straightforward, I think, for an industry perspective. I think quite a lot of companies now use the idea of leak code, um, some simple logic-based questions that you've got to code out. It was fairly nice. Yeah. And then the decryption challenge was a fun challenge because I've never done decryption before. Yeah. So that was working around uh, regex and trying to replace expressions uh, through co code and language mm -hmm. and trying to come out with what the phrase was. I don't know if I got it, but I think I did based on a few little hints. Um, but no, it was, it was fun and it was nice that it was different rather than being the standard let's see how fast you can do maths in English. And now let's see how quickly you can do a bit of code. It was nice that it was different for once. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think you've just answered this question, but is, is with, when we're speaking to people um, about assessment centers and the process and things like that, there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong answer. You know, sometimes the recruiters are looking at how you get to the result that you've got to. Did you kind of get that feeling or do you think there was a, a correct answer about how you coded something or how you decrypted something? Is it is it right or wrong? I don't know if half so you can answer this or whoever. I'll let half answer if she wants to, but I think from my perspective, the coding challenge, that was definitely an element of that because they made it clear that they will be reviewing your code. Yeah. So you want to make it nice, legible, readable for anyone else to come across and see how you've done it. But mm. I think the application process as a whole was really geared towards finding out if you're the right person for the company rather than just, mm. are you smart enough for the company? Which yeah. was very nice that they, um, I'm sure people talk about it later, but be very open to giving you the opportunities to develop and get trained up rather than just wanting someone who's the ready product and that's that. 
yeah definitely so it's it's the full package isn't it I mean they can be can t t tell you about all the different coding that they would want to teach you later on so I think it is just about you know finding the, the, the right people and um, and your application and the assessment centre sorry you mentioned before that you were or you know you still are based in Northern Ireland but your assessment centre was in England so how did BAE systems help with this so did the, did the fund for your travel and things like that how did how did all of that work? Yeah, so with me being at university uh, over in Northern Ireland, it wasn't as simple as just driving down. Yeah. So BAE offers compens uh, travel compensation anyway, yeah. but because it wouldn't cover either of my trips, either for the placement or for when I eventually applied to the grad scheme, I got in contact and said, look, I appreciate if you can't, but it would really help me out as a student. And straight away came back, said, yep, we've got confirmation that that's okay. Oh. Um, just go for it. So that was very nice. Yeah, fantastic. Have so is that something that you offer across the board, or are they, do, you, do the students and graduates have to, you know, get in contact with you first for, for you know, these the help with the funds? So we do um, look at the um, welcome payment that we do, which is a two thousand payment for the graduates when they first start in the business, yeah. um, and for some of the relocation. Um, but we do um, look at each individual cases uh, once these you know, graduates have come through the recruitment process. Yeah. Um, but it, it's something that we do try and support with the relocation package. Brilliant. Perfect. And th so thanks very much for that, James. And now I'm going to move on to, um, I'm going to, similar experience for you, James, but I'm going to move on to Kira and ask you this question. So the, the video interviews, they're all a bit strange, aren't they? You're basically just talking to yourself. And Jessica does this on a daily basis when, when she's just presenting well a bit, little bit of that love and a little bit of presenting to herself but what what was it like you know what was the whole video interview process like how did you pre prepare and um, how can you settle people's nerves before they go on and do one I mean it is a really alien experience you <laughs> sitting answering questions to yourself and actually that's the hardest part the questions themselves are, are a breeze in comparison yeah, I would think. Um, I would say ultimately practice makes perfect. There's a couple of questions that come along with the link if you're invited to complete a video interview. So definitely I would recommend doing those a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But there are so many resources online that you can use as well. I think the more you do, the more you get used to it. And like you say, we're, we're in this world now where we do everything virtually. So we are getting slowly better at it and we're getting more used to talking to ourselves really because yes. yeah. of all the time we spend on zoom calls um but yeah ultimately you just a quick google search and you'll find so many different resources that you can use and the more you do them the easier it gets that that's 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 it really um, yeah. make yourself as comfortable as possible make yourself a cup of tea sit somewhere where you feel you feel at ease that, that that's that's the best thing you can do and ultimately yeah just practice 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 yeah I've got a little hint and tip for this as well so I've been again doing presentations it does feel really odd to be presenting and when you can only see your face and you can only just see other little black boxes so I always say you know when the students are in a lecture and again it's you know it's virtual they're attending a, an event which they can ask questions really you know try it do it put your camera on put your mic on and ask because even by doing little bits like that it's building up your confidence so when it does come to a video interview you feel a little bit more prepared you know that you know what it's like because i always say all the time it's totally different talking 
on this than it is when you can actually see in people yeah. in 3D and you can touch them <laughs> and everything else. You see what I mean? It's completely different, isn't it? You can read the room. Mm. Um, so yeah, anyone who's got any online sessions, which I'm sure they will this afternoon, uh, get confident, turn your mics on, turn your cameras on and ask those questions. Don't just dive onto the chat. Yeah. I mean, you can always practice as well, like, you know, for example, if you wanted to, to um, you know, Skype or Zoom your mum, say, for example, get your mum to turn a camera off so it does just look like you're talking to you. Because as Kira says, the questions, you know, you're used to the questions. You've, had, you've been, you're asking yourselves these all the way through the recruitment process, but it is just literally sitting and looking at yourself, which I think is just the most bizarre thing. And um, so, you know, do something, ring a, ring a friend, whoever, make them turn the cameras off so it is, it is very um, like, like for like situation. And, um, the Career Centre on Grad Cracker as well. Hannah, our colleague, has written blogs and lots of sorts of advice and things like that about how you can prepare um, for these video interviews. So make sure, obviously, go to Career Centre, look at all these different articles and things like that that we've got on there um, before you um, apply to BAE Systems. Now, moving on, Cameron, your application process was a little odd. Yeah, so, so certainly was. Um, <laughs> So I originally applied for a different role to the one I'm working for now. Yeah. Um, however, I was unsuccessful with that application. Um, so at the time, unfortunately, I kind of just, you know, carried on looking for other, other places that I could apply for. Yeah. Um, however, a couple of months later, um, I received a phone call from the actual graduate recruitment team um, asking if I'd be interested in like, applying and interviewing for a different role. They said they looked over my application, they obviously held it on file and kind of said that, new opportunities come along we think you might be a great fit for it would you be mm -hmm. interested in interviewing um so i didn't do what at the time was typical to do sort of an assessment center i kind of i was rejected after my or well, sorry i was unsuccessful after my um video interview kind of doing the recorded sort of answers mm -hmm. um and from then i got invited down to, to well up to preston at the time um to come and see and do the sort of face-to-face -face interview yeah um the interview itself was was really really nice it was, it was the nicest that i've been on um, as part of the sort of job hunting sort of stage. Yeah. Um, start off as a very sort of like casual conversation, very, very, being very comfortable towards the end of it and really realised I was in an interview until it kind of like was drawing to a close really. Yeah. Um, we got through a lot of these sort of more getting to know me questions, just seeing, as it's kind of mentioned about seeing who I am, seeing what, what I'm interested in, what I'm passionate about, and then kind of getting into some more technical questions. Um, but, you know, they provided great feedback at the end of it, um, allowed me to ask any sort of questions, even so much as where the nearest bus stop was. They're happy to sort of help me with that. Yeah. So it, it was a great experience, albeit a bit unusual, um, but, but I'm glad of it, definitely. Oh, yeah, brilliant. I bet, I bet when you got that phone call, your heart was just like, oh, because it was, you know, it's your, your dream come true. Yeah, so, yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, we've been to Preston. We've been to your, your place in Preston, haven't we, Jess? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago. We got lost. <laughs> um, we always get lost. I was driving, that's probably why. Yeah, Jessica was driving. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to... Carla, I just want to say, just quite interesting how James and Camera, you both had quite a similar experience in the sense that, you know, BE have put, you know, looked at you as an individual mm -hmm. and thought, actually, you know, we like you and we think you'd be better off in this situation. And I think that's a really nice thing that BAE are looking at you guys as, not, as an individual. They're not trying to almost get the perfect fit, whoever fits the job description. You know, I think that's a bit of a... A testimony to BAE as a recruiter, you know, saying, you know, they want the right people in the right roles 
and they know when they've got a right candidate in front of them and they'll do what they can to put them in the right places. So I just think that's that's really nice of of the kind of the process and a, a nod to BAE for, for doing that. Yeah, and I, and I think from Cameron's point of view, Cameron, obviously, you know, you were you were unsuccessful to start off with, but you you must have stayed in the minds of the recruiters or the people who you know interviewed you historically to think, oh, actually, there was a guy a couple of months ago, and he'd be he'd be ideal for this role. So I think BE systems are, are really looking for you know the people as as well as everything else. So yeah, I, yeah, I like that, Jenny. I'm going to go on to you now about your hints and tips for the whole recruitment process you've got such you know lovely ideas about um, any help that you can give the students so do you want to take the um, viewers and the listeners through those hints and tips yeah of course um there there's so many things that I could say um but but if I could just sort of whittle it down to a few points um I'd say sort of firstly when you're applying for a role um do research the company Look at their values as well. Um, you want to find a company that's right for you. Um, it's not just about the right candidate. It's about whether you would enjoy being in that company too. Um, and also read the job descriptions really carefully. Um, yeah. It's important to think about sort of both the technical and the soft skills that they're looking for mm -hmm. um, and link these back to the experiences that you, you've had. Um, and it, don't worry if you don't have kind of huge amounts of like industry work experience um i came into ba systems straight on the graduate scheme i'd never done a placement there before yeah. um so you could talk about sort of any of your past experiences whether it's volunteering or a part-time job kind of societies or hobbies that um, you have um, anything that can bring out those kind of transferable skills um I also think feedback and reflection is, is very key. Um, so what I mean by this is sort of every application you do is, is an opportunity to learn um, regardless of whether or not you are successful. Um, so after each experience, you know, um, make a note of the process you went through, the questions you were asked, um, what went well, what didn't. Um, ask for feedback if, if, if they can provide it, ask your peers for feedback. Um, just anything that can help support you next time, something that you can learn from and improve um, because it's, it's a long process. Um, and then finally, I just say, um, don't, don't sort of um, keep an open mind basically and don't, don't kind of shut yourself off from yeah. opportunities. Um, if you feel, for example, a bit reluctant to change um, a career or you're moving into an area outside of your field of study, um, I've had quite a few people asking sort of they wanted to switch from like chemical engineering to mechanical engineering and, and they, they were really uncertain but a lot of a lot of jobs sort of are looking for transferable skills there's a lot of resources available as well if you wanted to take kind of an online course or, or read or look for information in books um, so don't don't shut off opportunities because you feel you know they're outside of your field you know it's it's your career so there's always opportunities that you can go into and yeah having an engineering background is is a really versatile background to move into a lot of different areas oh jenny, oh, jenny. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you've said so much stuff that well me and Je me and jess's reaction just go oh jenny <laughs> everything that yeah. you've just covered off there so yeah job descriptions I mean we bang on to students all the time read the job description you know Hafsa sits there and Hafsa's team 
they don't just put these words together and you know think oh that's a job description there's so much thought that goes into it so really analyze the job descriptions again Hannah our colleague has written um, articles and blogs about looking at a job description how to interpret it and everything else so yeah absolutely you've just said so many little bits there Jenny you are going to have a special feature yes. on Brad Cracker about your little section about all your hints and tips because there's there's so much that I really want to cover off there but I'm, I'm conscious of time Jess but definitely everything that Jenny's just said do that yeah yeah it means a lot because it, it's kind of having gone through the process it's yeah. kind of reflecting on that's kind of stuff I would like to have been told basically yeah I think that's so important Jenny I think this is what's so important about I'm getting passionate I'm like leaning forward towards the camera I'll have to back up but this is why this is why the webinars are so important because um you know it's you guys you've been through the experiences that like me and Jess said you know have seen in, in the nice sense as well we can bang on about it to, to our heart's content but you guys have been through the process you've got the skills you've, you've been there done that and I think everything that you say on these webinars is is really important to the viewers because you've been there you've you know that you oh, yeah You're a lot more relatable than what we are yeah of course you are yeah it's peer on peer isn't it it's not good old Carla saying oh Carla says do this mum um, but yeah anyway Jess I'm, I'm I'm want to move on to kind of like the business units and your roles so kind of um touch upon that a bit more detail so Kira and Jenny you are both in the submarines business unit Kira can you give me an overview to what the sector does and the work involved with the focus on your role as a product safety engineer so in our submarines business, we design, build, taste and commission the most advanced submarines ever operated by the Royal Navy. Uh, these submarines are capable of circumnavigating the globe without surfacing. It's they're only limited by the food supplies that they can hold for our crew. Okay. Um, they're very, very complex products. And as a safety engineer, uh, me and my colleagues are responsible for ensuring that all of the systems that go into making this really complex product are safe keep, they keep the crew safe they keep the platform safe we want to make sure that that's still in good uh, still intact yeah. and we want to keep the wider environment safe as well um and as you can imagine submarines operate in a really inherently unsafe environment um, with the pressures at the depths that these submarines operate so um that can be a challenge sometimes but that's what we're here for Kira, can I ask a quick question? So are you allowed to tell me this? So how I don't know. <laughs> how much, I'll ask it if you say no comment, then I'll just move on. Okay. <laughs> how much food can a submarine house then? So are we talking a year, five years? I actually don't know, um, personally. I actually don't know, but I don't know if I can tell you either. So <laughs> I'll just say no comment and then that'll cover that off. <laughs> oh, food and this stuff. <laughs> sorry Jess no it's all right Jenny same question to you I guess your role as a project manager within the unit and um, I know it's heavily like delivery based isn't it and um, so can you give the audience a bit of an idea on what this all means and what you do yeah so um as a project manager so um it can kind of roughly be split into kind of two main areas so you've got like project controls and then like project management delivery um, so project controls is sort of more focused on kind of generating and maintaining cost and schedule data 
um, so, such as producing like project schedules, Gantt charts and value data, all sorts of things like that. Um, whereas uh, on the other side, sort of in a delivery based role, um, we're much more involved in kind of the whole life cycle um, of the project itself. So from bidding for the work at the beginning to um, managing the design and the delivery of the actual product. Um, so we tend to like manage the engineering teams like directly. Um, where, so basically project controls kind of feeds data to us about our project. Um, and then we kind of interpret it. And then based on that, we make the project decisions that um, that ensure the project is delivered sort of to the contract we agreed and that our customers are satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so that's the kind of role that I'm in. So both of you, it's quite a lot of resp- responsibility, seems that, you know, quite a lot of pressure as well. You know, how big are both of your teams? Are they quite big or...? I'd say my team is, so I have a, an initial team of about five or six people, right. um, but that we only deal with a really, really small portion of, of the product. The right. wider department, there's probably about 60 or 70 of us. Right, well. And, and that's are... just for one project, so we've got three. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, wow, right. Yeah. And Jenny, how about you? How big's your team? Um, so my program management team like here is quite small so we've got I think about seven or so people um, but we we work sort of we manage a lot of teams of engineers so if you add up everyone involved in kind of um, in the project that I'm in it's, it's probably kind of close to 100 I'm not actually sure on the exact number but it's it's quite it's quite big so um, a lot of people involved yeah. Great. James, I'm going to move to you next. So you are within the Applied Intelligence team. Firstly, please can you tell us um, a bit about what this unit is involved um, and the, a bit more about the role specifically? specifically. Yeah, so Applied Intelligence is one of the branches of BE. So in a similar way to we have air, maritime, land, we have Applied Intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's It came in recently, I think about 14, 15 years ago. Um, but then... Now it's helping governments uh, reduce their risk in a you know the ever connecting world, uh, tackle cybercrime, yeah. uh, and then we do a bit of more like consultant work on the side. Um, I say on the side, I'm sure it's still a massive portion of what we do, but the focus tends to be more towards cybersecurity. Okay, because that is a massive growing kind of industry sector now, isn't it? Again, when I'm speaking to students, uh, you know, I always mention that's quite a big area, a bit of a, a growing industry. Um, how many people are in your team and how many people do you work with, uh, James? Uh, so my team right now is 10 people with about, I want to say, 40 to 50 for the project. Mm-hmm. But then, as Kieran and Jenny said, if you start looking at wider teams, you come into, you know, closer to 100, 200, um, just with all the different project, projects that we're working on. Yeah. So similar space, but we might not necessarily work together because we work with different customers. Yeah. Who are your customers then, James? So we mentioned before about you know, the, the, the armed force in the UK, but cybersecurity obviously will open up you know, a, a wealth of, of new customers, new companies. So is it, is it is staying within the MOD or is it you know, governments and things like that as well? Applied intelligence is, I'd say, one of the more commercial branches of the business. Right. So although we do work with uh, still uh, governments and different you know, M- MOD, Navy, whoever, we do a lot more with, say, banks and uh, CSPs. Yeah. So 
it's a lot more real world as opposed to just going into all the government bases. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a bit of a misconception, isn't it, about BAE systems that you just think, oh, you know, you, you work on typhoons, you build, you know, work on submarines and things like that. But actually, it's, it's a huge company. And you just mentioned then about the cybersecurity and doing um, like consultancy work as well. I think that's I think people out there might not know about that side to BAE systems. So, yeah, th thanks for flagging that, James. Yeah, that's good. Cameron, um, can you tell us a bit more about the air sector which you work in? I know you've kind of touched upon slightly about your role, um, but yeah, can you tell us any more about that? Right, so the um, the air sector is, you know, as, as the name kind of suggests, more more lean towards sort of the aircraft and sort of like plane sort of domain that we work within. Um, I believe this is the largest portion of BAE systems, and we work on a number of platforms or aircraft. Um, we also do a lot of sort of servicing and sort of like work to maintain and support like aircraft fleets that we currently have out there. Mm -hmm. um, some of the major platforms that we kind of run and operate are the, the Hawk trainer aircraft, the Eurofighter Typhoon being one of the most popular ones. And looking towards the future, we even got things such as the Team Tempest project, which is a big multi sort of company workplace that we're looking to sort of push the future and look at the future of aviation. Um, so within my sort of realm, I'm a quality assurance um, engineer working within the supply chain. So my work is typically um, split within two sort of major sort of sections of work. I deal mostly with non-conformance management and the um, supplier quality interface. So a bit of a mouthful for both of those, but to go into a bit more detail with them. So non-conformance management is kind of looking at and examining when sort of units or components of an aircraft can fail or, you know, we tend to call it fall over or something goes wrong with them during testing. Right. And at that point, I'll kind of go in and ensure the units are fully repaired, investigated, gone back to sort of any sort of supplier if it's something that they need to sort of look at to ensure sort of the quality of our products are of the higher standards for our customers. Mm -hmm. um, the other section is the supplier interface, which kind of links into that. So I look after a number of sort of suppliers that feed into BA systems. Mm -hmm. So I am the sort of like quality point of contact for any, any sort of concerns they might have. So I can go in, talk to them, liaise with them and monitor their performance, um, assist with any sort of changes or modifications or any sort of new, anything sort of happening within their business, even if it's so much as they're struggling because, you know, for example, the recent sort of pandemic issues, not having enough sort of trained staff there. And I kind of look in and I sort of offer any sort of support we can from our end. Mm, great. My claim to fame that I've actually sit, sat in a typhoon at the RAF Collingsby. Oh, you did it all day. <laughs> oh god, I was see, I was draining on all day. I was like, please, please, please. Like, yes, yes, maybe, maybe we'll see. And I was like, please, but yeah, right at the end. Got I think they said no, Jess, didn't they? All day, and they just had enough of me. Like, I'll just put on that flipping plane. <laughs> <laughs> just shut her up. <laughs> shut her up. Um, but yeah, so I, I've been. I mean, you obviously not on your scale, but just even being anywhere near yeah. something like that just absolutely blew me away. And the chance to sit in it was just like. Oh my goodness. So working with that every day must be amazing. Next, I kind of want to talk to you all, and this is um, a question to all the grads about, um, and I know we might not be able to go into too much detail, um, but can you give the audience an idea of your favorite project or experience you've had so far at BAE, uh, starting with you, James? So yeah, apologies that this is going to be the world's most Vegas description. I'm sure <laughs> it'll be thrilling. Um, but yeah, my best experience would have been towards the end of my year-long placement I was given the opportunity to lead a fairly substantial project so this meant that I got to visit the customer site draw up the designs for the new system 
um, work on the development, coordinate all the different teams, uh, putting it together, and eventually getting to uh, help install the system on site, which was fantastic. Got yeah. to deal with the customer a fair bit. And it, I think it leads, leads back to what Kira was saying earlier in that it was a really nice feeling knowing that they were treating me as an equal, giving me that opportunity. It wasn't just a you know cut coffee boy on the side. It was a genuine opportunity that I was given and thankfully succeeded on. Well done, you. That's great. James, what's the system? James, what's the system? And no, don't. No comment. <laughs> One day. <laughs> Kira, how about you? So I think mine is probably the, the, the project I discussed earlier, um, the one that involved um, a design change and it ultimately would make our... Um, pieces of kit that we use on board um, safer and easier to use and, and all these these great things. Um, I think, well, initially it wasn't supposed to be my project. It should have been done by another engineer who left the business shortly after I joined and they didn't have anyone to replace him. So it, it, it was re- really opportunistic, but it was great. Um, it, it was me, pick me. Um, so no, no, it was really, really good. It was, it was great to get that opportunity and, and that I was trusted so early on. I mean, I think I'd been in the business about two and a half weeks at that point. It was my first internship. They didn't know me very well. Um, so yeah, but even then, so design changes are not easy things to put through um, on a pro- on, on these kind of products. So um, I've been there since the concept um, during my first internship, did all the, the work um, to get it through, um, then picked it back up again when I came back after the following year at uni. Um, picked up again, took it to the Royal Navy um, man had to present in front of really high up um, officers in the Royal Navy so that was that was both nerve-wracking and exciting yeah. um, but again that was a great opportunity to get that was in my second and now it's going to implementation now that I'm back as a graduate so I've followed the project the whole way through um, so that, that's been great and um, the other thing, the other thing we get to do is stretch assignments. That that so we do these on, on in addition to our day to day role. So I've been involved in producing an engineering newsletter. So we get important news, but also like little bits of uh, different and engineering information out to our engineering community within submarines. So that's that's quite good, and you get to interact with loads of different people. You get to build up your network, and that that's probably the best thing um, oh. about doing that. Well, that's good to know that a bit of bit of something else on the side, which is you know using different skills and like I say, getting to network and know each other. Uh, Jenny, moving on to you, my lovely, what's your favourite project so far? Um, so my favourite one is probably the one I'm on right now, actually. So um, as I said, I'm in submarines, um, but um, unlike Kira, I work in a slightly different area. So I'm in the integrated combat systems area. Um, So we're responsible for essentially developing the system software and hardware that goes inside the submarine vessel. Um, It kind of like, it's like a giant module that kind of just slots into the submarine shell. Um, And much like kind of our five senses, it enables the submarine to navigate, move, detect, fight, do all of its um, functions. So that's essentially what the systems control. Um, so in my current project, we're delivering the next common combat system, um, so-called CCS version 4, um, that is going to replace the next um, existing, uh, sorry, that replace the existing systems. Um, it's considered quite a critical project um, in terms of maintaining sort of the 
continuous at sea deterrent um, law, which states that um, a submarine has to be in the water um, 24 seven, 365 days a year, pretty much. Um, and so it will be going on to the new dreadnought class submarine. Um, so because it's uh, critical, it's quite a fast paced and dynamic environment. Um, and that's something I quite like, I quite enjoy. I quite like the pace. Um, I like being busy. Um, and yeah, so our engineering teams have actually taken up kind of an agile methodology of working, mm-hmm. um, which is something quite new to sort of our area of the business. Um, it can be quite challenging as a project manager, um, managing sort of so many people, but um, it really does sort of bring like a, a big sense of like excitement and pride to sort of see all the teams piecing together their work. Yeah, that. Oh, very impressive. Cameron, how about you? Right. So um, in comparison, I think I've, I've chosen a less exciting sounding project. <laughs> um, I, th- I feel like it was mostly picked just so I can talk more about it rather than in just vague terms. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one of the ones that I've enjoyed the most is looking into this additional sort of bring in of the tool set that will really ultimately like assist not only with my immediate team, but kind of the wider sort of functional area. Um, it will save them time and effort. And what I really sort of like, you know, what's resonated and really enjoyed about it is that it has been kind of a problem's been identified and it's been handed off to myself and another graduate. We've just been kind of said, we have this issue, we want a solution, go ahead. And so we've been allowed very much to kind of, I mean, albeit with a little bit of guidance, we do, we do still need that. But like we have been kind of allowed to set our own sort of direction with it, look into these different ways, see what's currently available, um, do some experimenting. And we you know we've been able to collect all this data, put it together and put presentations towards some senior members of the business. Mm-hmm. And even so much as we've been looking and putting submitting requests for funding for this project. So I think it's a great way to kind of get in there, kind of understand how these sort of projects are run, how you can look to sort of wide them out and sort of networks you build for these. Mm-hmm. And even so much as getting visibility at a director's level, trying to get in to see what my sort of director thinks, you know, ch- see how he challenges us, see if we can take away and what we can build on our project with that with. And ultimately having that kind of, you know, the trust put in you that, you know, here is some money, here is, you know, what you think and here's our thoughts, go ahead. And, you know, having that sort of statement for just a graduate felt felt great. Having that sort of, you know, real responsibility and a real impact to, to how we could work in the future has been, you know, amazing, really. Yeah, I bet. Um... Wow. Gosh, honestly, your answers, guys. I'm conscious of time because I'm thinking it's already 10 to and we're, we're going to probably run on. So anyone that um, can't stay after three, <laughs> don't worry, the, the session's recorded. <laughs> I know that Jenny can't stay either, Jenny, because you're in back-to-back meetings all day, aren't you? So, yeah, well, um, I actually pushed one back so I can stay until course pass, so a bit more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just so interesting. So, honestly, you guys, just, you all have to learn a different language as well, don't you? About not about what you can say and what you can't. So, honestly, me and Jess, Jess in particular, because she's an eyebrow, would be really bad at that. So, it's a good job we work for Grad Cracker and, and not a top secret company because we'd get sacked. Um, right, guys. So, we've learned all about your projects, why you chose to work at BAE Systems, and the recruitment process now. Jenny and Kira, I want to focus on you two again, if I may. Um, with regards to like, the mentorship schemes and the development that you have at BAE Systems. So Kira, starting with you, could you tell us a bit more about the personal effectiveness training? What is that and, and how does it help you? So the personal effectiveness training is part of the graduate scheme and it's in addition to your day-to-day role. So there are four personal effectiveness modules that you'll complete throughout the graduate scheme. 
And the first of these you'll do during your immersion induction programme when you join the business. Yeah. Um, that'll be in, within your first week or so um, that you do that one and you're introduced to our corporate company behaviours, mm-hmm. um, which we expect, they are embedded throughout the, the company, not just um, in submarines, the UK wide. Um, but so the the modules kind of take you through these and we try and develop these behaviours throughout the training the purpose of the training really is to provide you with um, tools and develop your softer skills Mm -hmm. um, to carry you not just through the graduate programme but ultimately the rest of your career Um, so you do do learn about the company behaviours but you also learn about things like feedback, getting feedback from managers, getting feedback from your peers and using these in a positive and effective way um, and like Jenny says, they really um, kind of push reflection. Um, yeah. And actually, that's something that I, I don't think I really did enough before I joined the business. And it's, uh, that's really, really helped me. So, um, yeah, so that, that's basically what, what that is. And you mentioned the Immersion Induction Week. Yeah, so the Immersion Programme, when I started, which was September 2019, was a three-week induction programme where um, you learn all about the business, you do... Um, you get different presentations from all different people. Um, we had lunch with the directors. We um, got a tour, a couple of tours actually, around the site. Um, and then, so for a couple of, so that's, that was a three-week programme, but for the Thursday and the Friday of those weeks, you were in the office getting to know your team, getting to know your manager um, and, and all that kind of thing. And really just getting to know your cohort, which actually the personal effectiveness modules are a really good way to catch up with the cohort that you joined with because once you go back and uh, go out into your roles you don't see them as often as you would think um Jenny and I and, and our cohort we we catch up um socially um when we can but um that ha- tends to be outside of work so the personal effectiveness modules are a really really good way to catch up Bab, thank you Kira and I have a question for you is, it, is that across all the all the different business units that's not just submarines yeah, so the immersion program itself um, is a program where we put all the new starters at um, intake together. Um, yeah. So it's a networking as well. So um, we are um, currently putting the pre onboarding portal, um, which is um, information upfront. So before they join with us, um, it's a really good opportunity to kind of start networking. We're building um, LinkedIn closed discussion groups um, so it's just a really way a great way to network but also get some upfront information before you start your first day and as you can imagine things like is lunch provided or what's the dress code all that information on the portal which I manage so um, fantastic it's really good and it's something where we can really bring in and bring that collaboration as well for the new starters and um, putting faces to name from business units as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Hafsa, and thanks, Kieran. Jenny, from your point of view, I'd now like to know more about the, the there's two things. So reverse mentorship. Um, now, why is that a benefit to you as, a, as an individual and BAE Systems as, as a company, as a whole? And also a little bit more about the project management, developing new training, if you could tell us a little bit more about those. Um, yeah, so the reverse mentoring. So that's something that... Um integrated combat system does um it's it's like a a mentorship scheme where they pair up a graduate with a member of the senior leadership team Mm -hmm. so um i'm currently sort of paired with the commercial and future business director for combat systems Mm -hmm. um and the idea really is to allow kind of graduates to feedback our impressions and experiences um and it could be on sort of general matters like how effective business communications are and and how we interpret them 
um, or it could be sort of more personal advice to um, our mentee, like impressions of them as a person in the leadership team um, and how better they can present themselves to be more approachable or more friendly. Um, so and not only is it sort of a great opportunity for exposure, but it's it's also nice to kind of have your thoughts heard, yeah. um, especially being a graduate you know we're new to the business um it, and it's it's a it's a great beneficial kind of learning opportunity for both both parties yeah. um and it also it, it it benefits the business in the long run as well because um it's it's trying to create sort of a more inclusive environment and kind of minimize that feeling of kind of hierarchy which you you tend to feel when when you're a graduate in a new business um so yeah it, it feels sort of nice to kind of have your thoughts heard yeah, um, someone so senior yeah mm. um and then the project management developing you or pmdy for short um is something that's offered to people on the project management graduate scheme yeah. um so the the business funds us to do kind of a three module course mm-hmm. um and it's the course is developed by ba systems um but it prepares us to sit kind of the accredited apm pmq exam which is Um, the project management qualification part of um, association for project management um, the sort of professional body Um, so it it is three modules a total of around kind of 10 full days plus five days of revision Mm -hmm. um, spread out Um, and yeah it preps you for for the exam Um, and you know you don't have to be sort of a project manager to take it it's kind of priority is given to graduates and project managers but if you are kind of at a later stage in your career and you want to make a career switch then it is available for everyone yeah definitely it it just it just gives you more and more skills doesn't it as you go yeah and what I'm going to do now I'm just conscious it's one minute past so I'm going to go on to the I love this bit so I'm going to squeeze this in where it kills me and the key fact about BA systems so Kira, key facts about BE. Uh, so we are one of the largest global defence companies um, in the world. We employ over 85,000 employees worldwide. And at any given time, we have over 2,500 graduates and apprentices training with us. So there's definitely tons of opportunities for everyone. 2,500, wow. Half so no wonder you don't sleep at night with all these grads and apprentices to look after. <laughs> <laughs> James, key fact. Uh. A few, so this was done 2018, um, but on average, each employee contributed £83,000 to the UK economy. How? You make a lot of stuff. <laughs> make a lot of stuff, love it. <laughs> Simples. Um, Cameron? Right, so um, <laughs> I'm trying to think now. Um, well, like I prepared, you... prepared Kira's answer, really. Um, <laughs> so, well, so, sorry, go on. So I want to know your five-year plan as well, Cameron. Now you've landed your dream job, what are you going to do next? Oh, yeah, yeah, do that. That can be a fact. Right, What's okay. Plan? Okay, so um, my sort of aim with it is, um, well, I'm on this graduate scheme, which um, we kind of mentioned. Um, it's, it runs typically from 18 to 24 months. However, it's been a bit sort of difficult um, with this current pandemic and not being like physically on site. So it might be expen- extended a bit more, a couple of months or something, but, but that's still sort of in discussion. We're trying to be sort of flexible with that. Yeah. Um, once I've kind of finished it, um, I, I would like to put in a good sort of bid for what's known as our new future talent program or the FTP. So okay. this is a kind of like a, a system to, to identify potentially like high potential graduates 
mm-hmm. and kind of give them an 18 month stretching program, uh, which will kind of help jumpstart them into looking into a line manager position or kind of like going into that executive role from an earlier sort of stage. Yeah. Um, it is quite competitive. Um, I do understand that typically only about 10% of the graduates who kind of go for it really get onto it. Um, so, I mean, my plan would be to kind of keep developing myself with my team, really enjoying what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, since my immediate team is quite small and, you know, in the nice way possible saying it, a lot of them are approaching retirement. A lot of people, I'm very young for my team. So I think that there is a good opportunity to sort of like excel and really kind of get myself up that career ladder quite quickly. Yeah. Um, as our work kind of develops, as you know, I mentioned, the sort of Team Tempest coming to the big part of it as sort of the programs move forward and things, I would like to get onto that sort of work and start being really kind of key member of that, you know, future aviation sort of system and, and what we're going to do with that. So I think it's just, you know, I'm going to take full advantage of all development opportunities yeah. at BAE and really kind of push push the boat out. You know, I've taken a lot of opportunities. That I see anything that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable. It's been a big point for me just saying, well, do it then. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't stay in your comfort zone. Yeah. You've got all the opportunities now. And whilst you're a graduate, you know, you're, you're more, it's, you know, it's not accepting, but it's more accepting and they'll kind of treat you and allow you to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. So make them whilst you're there and whilst you can still use that graduate title, really. So <laughs> push, pushing it while I can. Oh, I still use that. Camera. When I go to meetings and I'm 35, I'm like, oh, I'm only new. Can't use that anymore. <laughs> Jess still uses it, don't you, love? No, it's when we go, we go have meetings and, I, and <laughs> Carla introduces me as the director and I go, oh, no, don't call me a director. I'm not sensible enough to be a director. <laughs> I don't want any responsibility. Jenny, on to you. Well done, Final look, Cameron. Good luck with that. Let us know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good luck, Cameron. Jenny, final fact from you. Um, yeah, mine was actually also nicked by Kira as well, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pick a different one. So um, I'll talk about kind of like um, the employee resource groups that we have. So we have. I think six of them so they're sort of aimed at su- sort of offering support to a diverse range of communi- uh, communities within the business so um, I know we've got sort of enabled our disability network we've got Outlink UK supporting the LGBTQ plus community um, we've got Embrace supporting cultural and ethnic diversity um, I think Gen supporting gender equality um, VetNet our veterinary community and Mindset for mental health and well-being. Fantastic. So lots of communities that everybody can get involved in there at BAE Systems. Hafsa, last word from you. So I'm going to pick a question. Benefits. What would you say are the key benefits of, of working at BAE? Um, so I think the um, last question that we kind of done with the key facts is very much um, summarising what I was going to mention anyway. So we are um, create we create an inclusive, um, dynamic and rewarding environment at BAE Systems. Uh, where we do thrive and inspire the young individuals that are coming into the business and make where it really counts. Um, So we value the importance of balancing um, home and work life, especially with the pandemic that's been going on as well. Um, I think a diverse workforce itself will inspire creativity um, and really drive innovation from individuals into the business. Uh, We offer fantastic uh, benefits such as the competitive salary, um, generous leaves, we do maternity, paternity, um, you know, some of the leave that people require. So we are catering um, as and when, you know, individual circumstances. Uh, we have the salary scheme. We do the £2,000 welcome payment that would support anybody that's doing a relocation or needs yeah. to get a 
um, literally anything. Um, we do service discounts. We've got the employee app, which supports a lot of the um, societies that you know we've just recently discussed. Um, mentoring, which is a really good one for us, uh, where the individual really uh, develop the career plan with um, you know directors from such as um, really driving their uh, career paths with them with the networking um, a great innovative training program um, last but not least our onboarding portal as well which is really really good um, so I think personally it's an all-rounder um, and we're always working um, with the um, graduates that come into the business to look at what feedback they have as well and how we can best um, you know bring some of these benefits and really work with um, candidates to retain them in the business as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Hap. So we've ended this brilliant webinar on a high. Thank you so much to all of you. It's been absolutely amazing to hear about all your experiences, the projects that you've been working on, the bits that you can tell us anyway, and the projects that you've been working on and everything else. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, just one last note to say to everybody who's watching, the, the opportunities are still open, so they're still recruiting for placement and graduate opportunities. So get yourself on the Grad Cracker Hub on um, and apply, get your applications in, apply today. Next thing I was going to say is Sky. We are joined by Sky next week, um, Europe's largest entertainment brand. Jess is taking a break, but Surf's joining us. So thank you very much, everybody who's joined us today. Thank you, BAE. You've been amazing, and we'll see you then. See you soon, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.